Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. I got very busy this week. And uh, I got a little tied up. And I thought, well, I know God will help me out with this. And he'll give me something in time. And uh, so I, I apologize. I'm, I'm at a loss. I'm just not, not prepared like I should be. And I was kind of hoping maybe Rob would just have a blowout service or something like that. <laughs> I'm being facetious. <laughs> I couldn't pull that off in 100 years, could I? No, I'm prepared for you today. God is moving in this church. God is doing awesome things amongst our leaders, amongst our ministers, our musicians. I sit back and I'm just in awe of his grace and his mercy and what a privilege and an honor it is to serve in his kingdom. And folks, if I could just give you a little piece of what I see and what God has given me in vision, what pastor has allowed me to begin to express, share. We had a meeting yesterday here with all of our music ministry, sanctuary ministry folks. Fantastic meeting, another opportunity for for me to share vision, talk about the things that God is doing. And Sister Angela did a fantastic job sharing her own personal vision. I'm encouraging every leader in every department that's leading ministry to dive in and see what God is doing for you. What vision he's given you for this particular ministry because folks, I am profoundly moved by God that as we continue to move forward with this new vision, this this incredible inspiration that he's given you and our leaders and myself, he's gonna bring the increase. He's gonna give us opportunity to reach the community around us. He, he's he's going to give us these chances. He, he, they're going to come. I had someone ask me recently, Brother Cordell, things are going so well. We're doing, we've got so much happening. Things are, are just coming together and people are diving in and they're doing their thing and they're ministering. Why aren't the people coming? And I said, it's very simple. I went to the Lord about that very question. And God said, not quite ready. Not quite ready. We're putting those pieces together and things are coming together. And I was facetious about not being prepared today because I'm, I'm making a subtle point, maybe not so subtle. But I had an experience here several, a couple of times that I could speak of, and one person is in the room that knows exactly what I'm talking about, and that is we have an opportunity, we have a job, we have a purpose. And God is calling us to change our title, to change who and what we are as saved Christians in his kingdom. You see, there's a really, really big difference between being a travel agent and being a tour guide. You see, the travel agent has an office and they sit in their office and they educate and they do all this great stuff on travel programs and travel packages and all these different things that they can provide for other people. And when a patron comes in and says, hey, I want to go to Aruba, I want to go to Timbuktu, 
travel agent says, well, here's this and here's this and here's that and here's how you do it. But they don't go. They stay in the travel agency. But see, the tour guide gets on the bus and goes with them. In the church, we call that discipleship. Jesus Christ was the greatest example of a tour guide that I could possibly imagine. Not only did he get on the bus and take them where they needed to go, but he gave his life for that group and for you and I. So this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about discipleship and our next mission. And if you want to title it, the success of a disciple, the success of a true disciple. And I'm in a great place of peace with this message. So pardon me if I'm not a little fired up today or if I'm not real super rambunctious, if you will. But we had a terrific meeting yesterday, had great interactions with folks, had a lot of great conversation. There are new leaders being pointed to new places. You're going to have opportunities as we move forward to become a greater part of the kingdom than you could possibly imagine, and it's coming. The opportunity will be there. We desperately need leaders and ministers and people who are ready to go to work for God. And so as I sat back and thought about that, I was in awe of the people who have already dedicated so much to the kingdom. And so today, in part of this message, I'm going to share with you something I think is very exciting, and that is the true secret to success, and specifically, then, success as a disciple. But this applies to anything. Brother Brown, Brother Dretzka, some of you that own businesses, Brother Mike Meyer, it's for you too. It's the secret to success, and maybe this will resonate with you. Some of you already know But I'm going to share that with you shortly. You see, I've had a couple of experiences with some folks, and I I jested a little bit about not being prepared today, but I had some experiences with folks over the years. I've had this experience personally myself. God began to call me into the ministry, call me to be used and be effective in the kingdom when I was just a teenager, 16 years old. And I just felt so compelled. I literally, and to this day, from the time I was about 16 to this very day, I feel like that if I am not effectively active in the kingdom of God, I will die. I mean die spiritually, and I won't make it. I don't have to be a pastor to do that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, I'm I'm back there saying, Brother Kylie, make me the pastor or I'll die. That's not what I mean. As a matter of fact, no, never mind. Um, Please don't, because I'm going to die. No, I'm just kidding. But I was compelled that I had to be effective in the kingdom, and I needed to know. And so over, over the years, I've encountered people similar to that that even came to me. There's a person in this very room, and I shared with them recently that I was going to share this story, but I won't name names, but came to me profoundly impacted by an experience that they had that they never wanted to have happen again. And if you can relate to this, let it sink in. So this person, at the time, lived with a roommate, and This person had grown up in the church, knew exactly what they believed, understood the doctrine, knew all about the plan of salvation and Acts 2.38, all that stuff, had heard countless messages, had been exposed to the word of God their entire life, and was very active in ministry in the church. 
And so this person had a roommate they were living with at the time, and, and uh, they were a little bit younger back then. And a friend came over to visit. Now this roommate, they were mutual friends with the visitor. This roommate was a churchgoer. But at a church that, shall we say, didn't get real deep into doctrine. As a matter of fact, you hear me oftentimes refer to them as ATL churches. I'm unabashed about that. Their message is, accept the Lord, ATL. Accept the Lord as your personal Savior, and you're saved. John Matson, by the way, this morning, if you missed the message this morning, I highly recommend. Yeah, amen. And this is going to be part of my message about this stuff, but I highly recommend that you mark this day in your calendar to go back, and when the recording is up online, you need to hear that message, what he's bringing. John was recently appointed as uh, our discipleship pastor, and uh, he's going to be working directly with me and all of the teams related to discipleship uh, activities in the church, and I'm very excited about that. He's a true dedicated to the doctrine and to the word. Uh, he's an ardent study, and um, you must hear that. But this person believed that if you accepted the Lord, you're saved, etc., and that's it. Now, our person knew that that's not right. And so this very ardent person that was standing up for this ATL standard began to witness or talk to this roommate. And the person that I'm speaking of found themselves stumped and struggling and desperate as they watched their friend becoming indoctrinated with a message that they knew was not fully true. I had this happen to me. It's desperately painful. If it's happened to you, I'm sorry. If it hasn't yet, I hope it doesn't. But she knew all of why. She knew exactly why she went to church. She was completely dedicated. Everything was all in the right place. But see, there was a difference between being a travel agent and a tour guide. You can know everything in the world about how to travel to Aruba and all the attractions that are there and things like that. But if you ever actually hadn't been there, you don't really know what the hotels are actually like. You don't know which turn to take to get to which attraction. Are you following me on this kind of goofy example? And so this person sat down with me and began to just, just express their heart and how desperately painful that situation was. And I related to it. And I said, use this. Use this as your motivation to never, ever let that happen again. Because they said, I, I couldn't, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to reference. I didn't know how to counter it. I, I didn't know what to do. I knew I knew my faith. I knew I knew what I needed to do. But I just had never done it before. I hadn't really taken the steps to actually be a witness and to try to win somebody. And, and here I am, all of a sudden, stuck in this position. And my great friend, my roommate, is being told something that was mostly untrue, and I couldn't do anything about it. Imagine a family member walking towards a cliff, and you're standing there going, there's a cliff. I know it's a cliff, and there's a really long fall, but I can't tell them, I can't get them to understand why they shouldn't keep walking forward. That's the desperation you feel in that situation when you know if that person buys into that doctrine, buys into that message, it is such an inoculation. And what I mean by that is it gives them just enough to say, hey, I'm saved, I'm in church, and I'm all good. 
That's all I needed. The inoculation is in. Brother Matson taught me that as a, as a young man in Sunday school. It's an inoculation doctrine. And once that inoculation is in, it is a really, really, really hard thing to do, to do anything about it. Then it's in God's hands. And so this desperation came out and I said, use it. Use it as a motivation. See, the fact of the matter is, this person, great person, great heart, loved God, involved in the church, just had never practiced or had never taken the steps to become a true disciple. Yet, at that point, what I'm challenging you with today is to get into your minds what it is to be a true disciple. Because I feel with everything that is in my heart that if you personally do not find a way to get to be in this role in the kingdom, the word is very, very explicit. If we are not fruitful, if we do not bear, the thresher's coming. And we'll end up on the threshing floor. I believe that. And whether, you, whether you're fruitful here at Abundant Life or fruitful at home or fruitful someplace else, God is calling us to a different role. No longer can we be that person who knows everything they, they need to know about their faith and is faithful coming to church and all of those things, but we can't communicate it. You might say, well, Brother Cordell, that's just not my role. I understand that. I, I, I get that these are difficult discussions. But everybody, everybody in this room, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name, you have a testimony, right? Now, I know this was very heavy, folks, but I'm telling you today, we are not called to be victims of what happens to us in life. We are not just subject to what comes along. We are called to be victors. We are a royal priesthood. We are God's most precious gems. That peculiarity word in that scripture in 2 Peter doesn't mean odd or strange. It means precious. We are his precious gems. And we have power. And we are not called to be victims. And so I challenged that person. I said, make this your, your determination to never let this happen again. It's very prepared. It's very painful. In um, Cub Scouts, I grew up in the Cub Scouts, and their motto there was be prepared. Cub Scout motto, anybody ever hear that? Remember the Cub Scouts when they weren't affected by modern culture? So much so that I weigh overpack everywhere I go. I'm, I'm constantly overpacking way too much. An overnight stay, I've got four changes of clothing in there. It's a, it's, it's a Cub Scout thing. But I'll tell you what they taught us. In being prepared, there's no such word as overprepared. It's just being prepared. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, you've all, a lot of you have heard this scripture already. You know it well. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 2, it says this. It says, preach the word. Well, I don't really do that, Brother Cordell. I'm, I'm kind of shy about those things. I don't think Paul is saying it's a suggestion. Preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. What does that mean? It means that if your roommate suddenly brings a friend home and that friend starts preaching them some false doctrine, you have the opportunity to say, well, I have a question for you. Now, you never want to be combative. You want to fight people. Being a disciple and being, being a witness isn't about going out there and kung fu fighting with people over the word of God. But it's the opportunity to say, well, wait a second. I have a question for you. 
What about in the word where it says this? Or what about in the word where it says that? If you heard John's message this morning, you got some great pieces that you can mark in your Bible and study and be prepared because he talked about this whole idea of works. Everything is works, and that's the, that's the word they use out there. That's what the devil's put into modern culture now. If you talk about baptism and the filling of the Holy Ghost, well, that's just works, and you're doing a false doctrine, and you're a heretic and all that stuff. Great, great, awesome, thank you, appreciate it. It's in the Word of God, so there you go. But the point is, is that to be instant in season and out of season means we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to be successful disciples and witnesses of the word of God, right? No, folks, I told the people in the room yesterday, I said, listen, some people say that there's a price to pay for living this life. There's a price to pay for studying the word of God and being ready and being prepared and at least trying to be a witness and trying to be a disciple. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. There are benefits to be earned by being a representative of Jesus Christ. It is not a price to pay, it's a benefit, it's a bounty to heap to us. Because once you start to get into that, and that person says to your friend, well, all you have to do is accept the Lord as your personal Savior, and you say, well, actually, you know, the Bible says, and you begin to quote scripture, and you can do it with confidence. I've been in this situation, folks. I've been there, where the person who's got their little script down pat, you know, see, a lot of them teach out of the book of Romans that you just have to believe and you're saved. And the book of Romans was written to a bunch of people that were saved already in the book of Acts. And I say, well, have you ever heard of the book of Acts? And they go, I've never heard of the book of Acts. Remember this? You guys, some of you are shaking your head. You know where I'm going, right? They say, oh, I've never heard of the book of Acts. What's that? Well, and then I let her fly, right? It's a great opportunity, and you can do that in fun, and you can have some great, some great time with that. But see, the more practiced you are, the more, more strong you are in what you know, the more confidently you can deliver that, and people go, wow, you know a lot about the Bible. Well, that's not about me. It's not about my knowledge. It becomes the anointing of the Holy Ghost because God promises that if you put the word in your heart, you won't sin against them, but he'll also bring to your remembrance the opportunity to witness. They don't have that. They have a script, right? They have these fancy little words. Well, that's works, and that's not really what the Bible says. You're saved by grace. Great. Then why does the book of James say, faith without works is dead? Oh, I had a Lutheran deacon say that to me one time. We had a very good friend. He was a good guy. I worked, I worked in the same industry. And he said, well, I know you Pentecostals. You guys are all about works, you know, and that's something they pull out of their hatred for the Catholic Church. And if you spend enough time with a Lutheran, I love Lutherans, got a lot of friends, very devout people, love God, but spend enough time with them and they're going to tell you why they hate the Catholic Church. I don't know, I don't get it, but that's what they do. But I, he started going on that whole works thing with them and I simply said, I simply quoted the book of James, faith without works is dead. Oh, if you heard John's message this morning, you can define what works is. And I'm using that, it was awesome. I'm going to keep going back to that because it was very powerful. So anyway, to be instant and in season and out of season simply means that you're ready. But not just ready, you're ready with this in your heart and confident. If you can go to a job and be really awesome at producing at your job or doing whatever it is that you can do, you get to the point where you're almost challenging yourself to be quick and effective and great. Well, that's what this is saying. It's simply saying, be excellent at what you do. Right, folks, from yesterday? Why wouldn't we want to be great? at this. Why wouldn't we want to be excellent at this? 
You see, because we weren't called to be victims. We weren't called into happenstance. Whatever comes along is going to come along. Whatever happens to us happens. Oh my, I guess God will help me through it. I'm going to suffer the rest of this time. No, that's wrong. We're called to be victors. But we have to take control. You have to take the steps. You'll see what I mean when I talk about the secret of success. He goes on to say, reprove, rebuke. You can rebuke with the word of God. Now you have to do it in love, right? But if somebody flat out tells somebody you know or says something or someone spews out that lie, you can rebuke that lie with the truth of the word of God. And you don't have to do it with a sledgehammer. You can be as gentle as a dove. Well, actually, the book of James says faith without works is dead. This man was 63 years old, had been in the Lutheran church his entire life. He was a deacon in the church and stared at me as though I'd smacked him in the head with a board. I just quoted one scripture that God brought to mind. And so that began a conversation. And to dive further, and, and I said, so Gary, how do you explain that? And he goes, I, I, I don't know. Okay. It says, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You've heard this before. Scratch my ear, tell me what I want to hear. Guess what? It's out there. It's out there now. As a matter of fact, you can present Bible to people at this point. Boy, gosh. Folks, I got to tell you, there is an urgency to this so badly. I see it and I read it and I examine it and experience it every day. There is such an urgency for us to get out ahead of this stuff because right now people are just deciding for themselves. It's in the Bible? Well, I don't necessarily care about that. It's more about my feelings. I'm offended, so it's more important that you help me not be offended than it is for me to really realize that the word of God says this is how it's done. This is pre prevalent in our society. It's, it's just going haywire out there. It's so desperately important for us all to get on the horse and get on this game and become disciples for Jesus Christ. Not just for them, but for you too. You see, if, you, if we sit idle, if we're not producing, if we don't have the fruit and we're useless to God, then why are we here? It's so desperately important right now that we get a hold of this in our hearts. New York just passed a law this week. My God in heaven, they can abort a baby at nine months right before it's born. Why would you do that? If it's right there, just deliver it and give that thing to somebody who desperately wants a baby. But the word says, Isaiah 5 and 20 says, they're going to call good evil and evil good. They're out there praising it. They lit up the World Trade Center Tower in pink in honor and celebration of the fact that they signed a bill that says they can murder a baby. When are we going to get desperate enough to say no more? I'm not going to sit here idly anymore and not be a warrior for the king. I'm not going to sit here and just accept that society is closing in around us. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get off on that tangent, but I'm so desperate to see you successful as a disciple, maker, and a, dis and, and, and a witness. <clears throat> Verse 4 says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. I just gave you that example. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Every single person in this room has a ministry. 
Well, Brother Cordell, I was called to teach Sunday school. And I, I really like Sunday school. God bless our Sunday school teachers, by the way. The last bastion of hope for young people to get anything from the Word of God. Now, we got the P7 groups that are getting into our public schools. My son attends one of them. It's awesome. We're affecting them out there as, as much as we can. But our children are just surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of hours of worldliness and terrible things. And then they get to spend a couple hours here at church a couple nights a week. Well, some people don't come a couple, all the nights. Boy, we sure fight hard about prayer in schools. But some folks can't get them here for Sunday school. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Folks, I'm telling you here right now to tell you, I do not believe that in my own personal existence, I can make that same phrase that Paul said. Not yet. I have not fought a completely good fight. There's more that I can do. I have kept the faith, but not like Paul did. There's more that I can do. But what he's doing is he's putting out a call to you. It's, it's a warning message. He's saying, you've got to be ready because they're going to turn to fables. They're, they're, it's already there. We've already lost a bunch. When's it going to matter that we don't lose anymore? Ephesians 5, chapter, excuse me, chapter 5 and 15 says this. She says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding that the will of the Lord is. This was written 2,000 years ago. Imagine the difference between when Paul wrote that to the church at Ephesus and today. The day and the hour is evil, and it's getting more evil by the moment. Now, the good news is, where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound. But how is grace shared? How is it delivered? We need to be a true disciple. You know the definition of a true disciple? Anybody want the definition? Do they care? The true definition of a disciple is simply this. It is someone who is moved from being a recipient of the church's mission to someone who is responsible for the church's mission. See, for a long time, it's very easy to be a recipient. We come here. This is like a banquet hall of the word of God and the spirit, right? We had an awesome meal of God's presence this morning. Great, great stuff. And it's great to be a recipient of, of the church's mission. And in, on February 17th, coming up here in just a couple of weeks, we'll have our business meeting at, not, at the 9 o'clock service. We'll have our elections. I highly recommend you there because we share all the financials and everything. Be a part of what the church is doing. Get active. Be a part of what we're doing. Be invested in what your church is doing. Okay? I'm just asking you. But that 10 o'clock service, I've been given the opportunity to essentially roll out everything that God has given me, the vision and the mission for the church that God has given me, that I've shared with many of the leaders in this room already. Brother Kylie has given me, has handed me that part, and he said, Brother Cordell, you have my permission, my direction. Share your mission, share your vision, because as we roll on into next September, this machine's going to be running, and it's going to be popping. It's going to be doing its thing. But God's given us some new direction. He's given us the, the pastor team and the leaders. He's given us some new things to do. And I'm going to be rolling out a brand new vision and a mission and a purpose for the church. 
And what I'm saying to you is that if if you really want to be a disciple, if you're really hearing what I'm saying today, if you're hearing what the Word of God is saying today, you'll be here, first of all, at that 10 o'clock service, February 17th, to hear the mission and the purpose for your church so that you can become a disciple who is now part of the mission, not a recipient of the mission. You'll receive, you'll be here, but you have to know that if you bring somebody, if that guest or if that person is sitting next to you and you're there and you're receiving and you're receiving and they're receiving, we're going to do everything we can from end to end to embrace that person and share the word of God with them, the full truth, everything that God wants them to know. But before you can bring them and be effective, I think you've got to bring you and be effective. You've got to be a disciple who's now part of the mission of the church. Is that fair? Okay, all right. I, I really sincerely hope I'm not offending anybody today. But if you're offended by this message, I give you my notes and the scriptures that God gave me. You have to understand this is, this is what God is calling us to do. Matthew chapter 5 and 16 says, says this. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There's that works word, John. Well, how is that? If you go to work every day and you do your job and you're silent and you're quiet and you don't want to ruffle any feathers and, well, at my job, they don't let you talk about the Bible, et cetera, et cetera, you can be a witness in every job that I've ever worked from the time I was 16 years old forward. Every single person that I worked with knew and understood that I was a person of faith. I never offended anybody. I never did anything that caused an argument. I had people from alternative lifestyles as friends and would talk to me and ask me questions about the Word of God. I had a young lady who was about to get married to her girlfriend, I think is how they say it, and came in and said, I want to understand why Christians feel the way they do about me getting married. And I sat down with her and I shared scripture with her. Everybody knew. They weren't offended. I, they would go out. I was in sales and they would go out and they, they, we'd win, a, we'd win a, a campaign for a sales thing. And, and they'd go out and get all their champagne and all their kind of stuff. And you know what they would do? I never asked. I never said anything. And they would bring in a bottle of that sparkling grape juice. And they'd say, here you go, Russ. We got this for you. What? What was that? It was the grace of God. I didn't do that. I didn't ask. I didn't say, you know, I don't drink, and I'm a Christian, so. But that's what they, right? But that's what they would do. We got to let our, our light shine before men, those good works that we're doing. That's what it's talking about. What, what, how effective are you in your life? What it is that you're participating in? I, just let them know, I promise you, it took a while. I'm not saying I was great at it at first. I was, I was doing my best to try to be a witness and learn. I made mistakes. I made mistakes in front of people. I actually pulled coworkers aside and repented before them for things that I made mistakes with. Burst out in anger. 20-some years old, burst out in anger and say a cuss word at work. I did. Oh, shocking, isn't it? But literally pull a coworker aside and say, I am really sorry. You know I'm a person of faith and that is not pleasing to God and I should have never done that. And they're like, what? No big deal. It's just this word. I say it all the time. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so let's talk about the true secret to success. You guys want to know the definition? You want to know? Is anybody... Want to know that? Want to know the secret? Okay, I'm personally baiting you on purpose just to keep the anticipation coming. It's parlor tricks. 
The true secret to success simply goes like this. This is from a man by the name of E.N. Gray. Wrote a book about success. And he said this, and I believe this, and, and, and you business owners that are successful and people that are successful in your jobs, if you disagree, let me know. But he simply said this, the secret to success lies in the fact that the successful person formed the habit of doing the things that failures didn't like to do. That's it. Brother Brown, do you agree with that? In raising up Miro Tool, very successful business, I know that you were willing to form habits to do the things that your competitors didn't like to do. Right? Because universally, we all don't like to do the same things. Right? And so what do I mean by that for you and for me? My flesh doesn't like to get up at ugly o'clock in the morning and pray. But the successful amongst us do it every day. We talk to the Lord every day. Without fail, start every day talking to the Lord, seeking him, seeking him his direction. God has, God has made the way, cleared the path, beat down competitors, beat down bad people that wanted to do bad things in jobs that I've worked in. I've walked up to the building sometimes at my job many, several years ago, literally put my hand on the door and said, in Jesus' name, I subdue this. It is not going to come against me. Walk in there, the guy got fired. They walked him out the day before. I'm telling you, folks, this is the things that we don't like to do and we share them all. Paul talked about it. I'll share the scripture with you in just a moment. There's, we are universally not liking these things. We don't like to talk to other people, other strangers. We're afraid to be called weirdos and strange. Oh, you're one of those Jesus freaks. You know what my answer to that is? No, I'm a Jesus weirdo. The Jesus freaks were in the 60s. Sorry. <laughs> There's nothing anybody can say. They don't come up with anything new. I'm not afraid of it anymore. But I didn't like to do it. My flesh didn't want to do it because I wanted to conform. I wanted to fit in. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see what I'm saying? They come at you with, well, I suppose you're one of, nope. Oh, you a Bible thumper? No, I, it hurts. I just opened it up and read it. <laughs> Seriously. It, these are conversations, real comments that I had. I didn't know you were a Bible thumper, Cordell. Never thumped a Bible in my life, but I've read it cover to cover, and man, it is really good. Want to know some of it? Well, <laughs> never heard that comment again. So what I'm talking about in these habits has to do with your mindset and the things that you don't like to do, but you need to do. You need to be willing to share your testimony. If you're not versed in it, write it down. Write your testimony down and read it over. Get it succinct. And so when that opportunity presents itself, like the person I was telling you about earlier, you can sit there and say, well, hold on a second. I have a testimony I'd like to share with you. Would you like to hear it? Well, how can they refute your testimony? Well, it didn't happen. Well, yeah, it did. <laughs> I don't believe the Bible's real. There's a lot of stories. Well, let me tell you my testimony, because that did happen. Right? So... Get good at your testimony. Get good at what you are. This is part of being a great disciple and a disciple maker. Get to know the word of God. If I pointed, I'm going to ask just in a general question. You don't have to raise your hand. Don't do anything. But if I asked you this question, or if I came to you and I said, listen, I, I don't believe baptism is necessary. Tell me why. How many right now could quote a scripture this moment that, can, that, that, that proves 
through Scripture that baptism is essential and that you could say it with confidence. I'm not asking anybody to raise their hands. Think about that for a second. It's a simple element of our message. It's a simple element of the apostolic doctrine. But if you were presented with that challenge right now like this person was, could you say it? Could you quote it with confidence? Could you at least know where it is in the Bible? Folks, all you got to do, if you really get right down to it, if you want to get a great start, just know the book of Acts. If you study that thing from end to end, it's just one book out of the 66. If you study that from end to end and really get to know it, boy, you could just like this with confidence and directness. People challenge me all the time on the Jesus name thing versus the Trinity. I can look them straight in the eye. Everybody knows my favorite scripture. I can look them straight in the eye and I'll say, listen, Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You bet I'm going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Right? Now, I'm, I'm a little theatrical with it, but not quite that brutal with people, but I can look them in the eye and I can say it. Are you that expert at the word of God? Can you quote like that? Are you willing? Those are the things that people don't like to do. But if you do them, you'll be doing the things that failures won't do. Unfortunately, in 37 years in the church, I am very well aware of many failures in the church. I know it's a harsh word, there's a lot of failures. I can think of names right now. You can too. Why? Because they never got this. They never got what it meant to be a true disciple, to really fully invest. They were here to receive. It was what I got for a while. It was what I liked for a while. But the first offense comes along and boop, out the door. Well, they offended me. Did God offend you? Because he's here first. You see what I'm saying? I offended Broderick. I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 61, starting at verse 1. Let me say this, as you're turning to that, let me say this too. Successful people are influenced. Now listen to this, folks. This is so important. Successful people are influenced by the desire for results, or excuse me, for pleasing results. A desperate desire for pleasing results. What's a pleasing result? They come to the altar and they repent. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. They agree to be baptized. They get into a Bible study. We get them into foundations. They become part of the church and begin to walk with God. That's a pleasing result. Isn't it awesome? It's the greatest thing ever. I could die tomorrow completely fulfilled and happy in God because I've been able to be a part of watching God fill people with the Holy Ghost. It's the most fulfilling thing I've ever experienced in God, watching my own children being baptized filled with the Holy Ghost. Failures look for pleasing methods. Let that sink in. Failures want pleasing methods. They want it easy. All you have to do is accept the Lord as your personal Savior. That's a method. There is no result to that. Not a scriptural one. 
So as you're thinking about church and thinking about your ministry and thinking about your role, and you're focused on, well, I just hope it's kind of easier. I hope I can just sort of slide into this one little role and be quiet, and I'll give up my tithes, and I'll, I'll be there, and I'll attend, and that's all good, and that's helpful. But what you're desiring and what you're focusing on is a pleasing method for your walk with God. And what I'm saying to you today is you need to be focused on pleasing results. What's a pleasing result for your walk? Somebody heard what you had to say and said, I'll come to church. Somebody said, yep, I'll do that Bible study. Somebody said, hey, I appreciated what you told me six years ago. Remember, I was really angry and you were giving me all that Bible junk. Guess what? I found my way to God last week and I got saved. Boom, results. It's not our job to save them. It's not, we can't make them do it. But we can spread that word. We can share that testimony. We can give them that scripture. We can count that inoculation doctrine that's being spewed out out there. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Those are results. Those are results. Results. Desiring great results. Isaiah, this is you. This is me. He's anointed you to preach good good tidings. See, there's not... Oh, man. Help me, Lord. There's not an A and a B Holy Ghost. Okay? You know, like an A student and a B student. You ever hear the story? The B student says, well, teacher, if I would have applied a little harder, I would have got an A. Nope, you're a B student. Because if you were an A student, you would have done A work. There's no A and B Holy Ghost. Some people, Brother Cordell's got the A Holy Ghost. He's preaching and he's got all this licensed stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I have a B Holy Ghost, so I'm just kind of calm and quiet and I, I do my function at church. No, you have the same Holy Ghost I do. You have the same Holy Ghost Rob does and Pastor Kylie does. The same Holy Ghost, the same Spirit of God that Isaiah is talking about right there. You were called to preach. You were called to share the good word. You were called to talk about the vengeance of the Lord that's coming. You, you were called. That's what he's talking about there. All right, I'm wrapping up. There's two other key, there's a couple of key ingredients to this, and one of them is purpose. It's really the main ingredient to success. You have to find your purpose in the kingdom. And and leaders that are in here already know we're opening up doors for purpose all over the place. We've created a new construct of ministries in the church. We have new pastor leaders that have been raised up and appointed. We have directors of ministries already, but there are opportunities coming. We have a place for you. You have to find your purpose. The people I mentioned earlier that drifted off and left, it's because they had no purpose in the church. From purpose is value, and from value is expressing my heart and showing you and reflecting what God has done for me and what I can do in the kingdom. People without purpose just perish. They drift away, they shrivel up and die. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. What he's saying is, is you got life now. When you're dead, you're useless. There's not, none of that stuff while you're dead. What are you waiting for? That's what he's saying, right? We're going to give you opportunity. You have it right now to find purpose in the church. 
Folks, I'm convicted. I'm convicted and convinced that if you don't find purpose, you're treading on dangerous waters not to make it. Because it's going to get hard. You think this abortion thing in New York is tough? You think the stuff that Capitol Hill's doing and the things that they're coming against the church? Get, start reading a little bit in some of that stuff. Not too much because you'll get depressed. But if you start to see what's happening out there, the walls are closing in. It's just a simple fact. The Bible says it. They're going to persecute us for Jesus' name's sake. You better be ready because the people who don't have purpose, the people who aren't dedicated to this, when the tough times come, it gets a little bit of pressure out. You'll be like Peter denying Christ three times. The successful have a purpose that is strong enough to make them form the habits for doing things they don't like to do. In other words, if you're part of a ministry here, if you're part of a work, a Bible study, something in the kingdom, and it is so important to you to be great at it, to be excellent at it, you've taken such ownership of it that you just own it, you just have to be great. My talent is singing. I have to be there on time. I've got to get my, my songs together. I've got to pray about it and make sure that it's what has, God has called us to do. You'll take it seriously. You'll take ownership of it. You see? Remember what I said earlier. It's not a price to pay to be this dedicated to God. Oh, man. It's a bounty, a blessing. It's an enjoyment of benefit. Not a price to pay. Well, I might miss the Packer game once in a while on Sunday. That's what I say to that. I got other things that I like to do. You'll find that you'll have more time, more opportunity, more money, more blessing to do the things that you love to do. You'll find that your love for things is going to flip-flop. The desire that you have. I've seen people who are dedicated to sports or dedicated to playing in softball leagues, dedicated to... Uh, spending tons of money on race cars and all this kind of stuff. And as they became more invested and became a disciple of Christ, they weren't counting the costs and they weren't focused on, well, I'm going to miss out on that. What happened was their love shifted. It became, well, I don't really care about that anymore. I'm just not excited about it anymore because I got this great thing happening. I saw somebody get saved at church. Pastors using me in a ministry and I feel great about it. I have value and I have purpose in the kingdom. That's what's going to happen. So you have to surrender to your purpose then. Philippians 1 and 27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or also be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving for things of the world, the root word of striving is strife. And so much that we, the more we try to make more money, the more we try to have better jobs, the more we try to get more in hobbies and all these different things, it ends up being strife. It costs us money, it costs aggravation in our marriages, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're striving for the things of God, I'm telling you the blessings come. Jude chapter 1 and 3, very similar, says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Striving, contending for the faith. What I'm trying to tell you in a simple way is it's your job. And it's your job to be excellent at it, to be great at what you do here. Take it to that next step. 
You won't pay the price, I promise. You'll reap the benefit. Your purpose has to be practical, not visionary. What? We're supposed to have visionary dreams. Not in this regard. Well, I want to be David Bernard, the next director. Hold on a second. You might want to start with getting licensed first. You have to be practical. Here's another thing. This may, this may confound you, and I'm going to wrap right now. I apologize for running a little long. It's just very important, I think, that what God is trying to say is we, these purposes have to be sentimental or emotional, not logical. I know this is counter to what you probably have all been told and you've read, but being sentimental or emotional, there's far more power in there. What is God more concerned about with you as a human being than anything else? Anybody? Your brain? Your feet? Who said it? Your heart, exactly. He talks about the desires of your heart, correct? He's concerned with your heart. And so sentimentality or emotional purposes drive us like crazy. Taking care of our families, protecting our children. Logic, there's no courage in it. There's no courage in logic. Logic says we do this and we do this and we do this. That's not courageous. You show up for your job. That's not logical. I mean, it's not courageous. It's logical. You go to your job, you, make, you do your job, and you make your money, and you go home. There's no inspiration in logic. There's really not real happiness in logic either. Serving God, doing the things with, with, with desperate desire in your heart to see people saved. That's where joy is. That's where real happiness is. We've been tricked by the world to believe that seeking great jobs and all this money and all these personal belongings is all the happiness is there. You've heard it forever. There's no happiness in any of it because it's all just simply logic and things. So they have to be based on wants and desires, not just needs. You know, do you know that you can have a need in your life and say, well, I'm going to strive to get this need, but you'll go so far, and if it's too painful to get that need, you'll settle for less of a need? Do you know that? So if you're basing, if you're basing all of this, your purpose and your desires on just simply needs, you'll settle for less. You know people in your life right now. You look at them and go, I know they could be so much better than that. But they don't. Why? Because... They focused on needs instead of wants and desires. And when we have the desire that God talks about in our heart, we'll push for it. We'll strive for it. We'll sweat for it. And then finally, habits. And you can stand this morning if I can have our musician. Every single qualification for success is acquired through developing habits. You got to force yourself to get up at ugly o'clock in the morning and spend your time in prayer. But over time, you won't miss it. I love my prayer time with the Lord in the morning. I can't go on in my day without spending time with God anymore. You form deliberate habits that are for good, and the only way you can change is by deliberate habits. Deliberate meaning you're thinking of it, you're intentional with what you're doing and forming those habits, and you renew it every day. Finally, Hebrews chapter 10 and 23 says this, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much more as ye see the day approaching the day is approaching you know what the day is when the Bible says the day the last day the day when God says I'm all done. 
time to get my people out of there. There's work involved in this. There's effort and sweat and tears and struggle and striving. But there isn't a price to pay. There's benefit to enjoy. And we're going to see this auditorium from that end to that end. Full. I promise you. We're going to see it full from up here to back there. Because I got a team of folks, pastors and leaders, that are chomping at the bit and ready to go and are diving into what God is doing right now. It's happening right now, folks. You just haven't heard a whole lot about it. If you were here yesterday, you heard Angela's part. I'm telling you, this is the call. Today is the day. It's not an option. In Jesus' name. Lord, we're so thankful, God, for your word. We appreciate you, Lord, that you have mercy and grace on us, Lord, knowing that we grow and mature in you in different levels and different ways. God, we just strive to seek you and find you, Lord God, and, and do the things that you've called us to do. I pray for every soul in this building today that you put something in their hearts today, Lord God. Put a vision of the things that we discussed, the word that you gave me, the scripture that you shared. God, that you would inspire them, build a fire inside all of them. Lord, don't let anybody walk out of this building today saying, I can't do that. I'm a failure. I'm not worthy. I can't do it. It's not me. It's never going to happen. That's a lie from the enemy, and I call it out in Jesus' name. I cast it away in Jesus' name. Every single person in this building today has every bit of power and ability to be successful in the kingdom of God as a disciple and a disciple maker, and I declare it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you're going to be victorious. In Jesus' name, you're going to affect people's lives. In Jesus' Jesus name you're going to have purpose you're going to have value in the kingdom I'm declaring it right now I'm looking across this auditorium I'm seeing my brothers and my sisters and my friends and I'm telling you right now Jesus he's speaking right to me I'm telling you God is here and he's saying you are going to be victorious you are going to be effective for the kingdom you are not born to lose you're born to be victors not victims he's here today and he's willing to anoint you if you join us at the altar today stand no you don't have to come down and kneel stand up and put your hands up in the air and say God I'm I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. I want to be effective for the kingdom. I want to be a great disciple. I want to form these habits. I want to be the best disciple maker I can be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God, use me today. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to end up on the threshing floor. I don't want to be useless in the kingdom anymore. I want to be effective. I want to feel the joy of what it is. I want to feel the joy of what it is. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.